One found in Genesis chapter 6, the other found in Hebrews 11. Uh, we're dealing with both of these passages because they deal with the same thing. The, the Hebrews passage sort of gives you a summary of it, and we're going to deal with that first. And then we're going to go back and get the actual details of what is found in Hebrews 7 by looking at Genesis chapter 6. I believe that we need models, flesh and blood, flesh and blood models of how to live out the faith. We talk a whole lot about Bible principles and what we ought to live and what we ought to do. We need to see it. And so today and the next few Sundays, we're going to look at individuals that live out their faith in the midst of trials and tribulations and persecutions because we need to recognize you can still be faithful even in the midst of trouble. You can be faithful when everybody around you has gone to the dogs that you can maintain your spiritual integrity, but it's going to take some effort. Uh, you and I are not faithful by accident. You, you got to learn some Bible principles and you got to apply them to your life. And there comes a point where we got to focus on getting me right before trying to help anybody else to get right. Because you can't help anybody to get right if you're wrong. And so this morning I want to use as a subject Noah, a model of perseverance. Noah, a model of perseverance. We need examples of people who know how to fight until the end. Individuals who understand the importance of being consistent in their faith. Who understand that sometimes you've got to walk this road all by yourself. And you've got to be okay with that. Because in the reality is you're not by yourself. God is always with us. We need to recognize me plus God is a majority. I need for you to think about that. You plus God is a majority. If you got God on your side, he is worth more than a thousand other folk with you. As a matter of fact, he's more dependable than them thousand other folk with you. So let me introduce this by sharing some things from our world that really ties us into uh, the world that Noah uh, lived in. We live in a violent society, a violent world. Uh, you, you cannot deny that with a straight face. All you need to do is look at the TV news, read the newspapers, or just talk to your neighbors. We live in an age where folk feel no compassion about uh, committing crimes against anybody. Uh, you remember a few weeks ago that, what, she was 90 years old, 90, 91 years old, a lady walking a dog in the park, and she was attacked? You do know there was a time when folk respected senior citizens. Right. They, they may steal from a young person, but they wouldn't steal from and, and hurt an old lady. Right. And now we don't, folk don't care. Mm. As long as you got something that somebody wants, they will attack you, uh, injure you, and even kill you. Yep. Yep. I mentioned to the 8 o'clock uh, audience that at last count, I think we have about, uh, we have had 141 or 142 mass shootings this year. That's a whole lot. And we're still in October. We got November and December. We live in a violent world where you never know when you leave your house what you're going to encounter at the grocery store, the movie theater, uh, at the park you are playing with your childhood, or even on your job. Folks still go postal. 
You know, when mass shootings first started, that's, when they, that's what they used to call them, people going postal, because they were occurring in post offices. Uh, but you, you, you uh, FedEx people, you UPS folk, they go FedEx on you. Uh, they go UPS on you. You college students, uh, college teachers, because uh, it happens on college campus, they go college on you. So whatever the expression is you want to use, even at an elementary school, you guys not, have not forgotten Texas yet, have you? Uvalde, Texas? And they're still trying to unravel all the stuff. We live in a violent world. We have to agree with that. We live in a world where the word of God is not accepted or honored. Just look at the standard of living people have today. Folks care nothing about the word of God. And it's becoming more and more prevalent that whatever uh, the world wants to do, folk will legalize it and sanction it. And they will accuse us, Christians, folks who are trying to uphold God's standard as racists and bigots and homophobes and all these other terminologies they use against us simply because we are reminding the world of God's standards. I got news for you. You need to stand strong. Let them call you what they want to call you. But stand with the word of God. Because if we stand with the word of God, we will be vindicated in the end. We live in an age where there's no, there's no more truth, no more absolute truth. And some of you are old enough to remember there was a time when we believed in the Bible as a country. We valued Sunday. All these businesses were not open on Sunday. Even malls weren't open on Sunday. Jobs were closed on Sunday. That people believed Sunday you ought to spend time worshiping your God and being with your family. Those days are gone now. Uh, folk run their companies 24 hours, seven days a week. And if you're a child of God, don't have enough conviction to recognize, I can't work every Sunday. I got to worship God. God's been too good to me uh, to give my allegiance to a company that will lay me off at the drop of a hat. You guys do know these places that you give all your time and attention to will lay you off if it's convenient for them. Give you a sevens package, maybe, and uh, escort you off the premises with a security guard like you're a thief. And you've given them the best years of your life. Neglected your family. And they treat you like you're a bomb. So no absolute truth. So now you can understand when we have discussions with people, everybody leads the conversation, they write. There's no standard. And we have to understand and be reminded there is a standard. It's called the Bible. It's called the word of God. And so when we're talking about the Bible or scripture, you and I should not be arguing with anybody. That's God's standard. The fact that that person won't accept it, that's their problem. And too many times we found ourselves in shouting matches with folk over scriptural things. It's in writing. It's in the book. It's not going to change. And if that person does not open up their eyes and trust God, they're not going to change their view. Shake the dust off your feet. There are too many people who will accept and follow the word of God for you to be arguing with somebody who isn't. There was a time when even preachers were respected. Come on, some of y'all be able to go back to a time where preachers were respected. When the preacher came over to your house, that was important. That's like the president coming to your house. (laughs) Folk, folk, Folk would clean the house, make sure the house is clean. Even if folk were drinkers up in there, they put the alcohol up. You know, they'd be a hypocrite at least while the preacher was in the house. Uh, they fixed a meal and make sure if he wanted something to eat, uh, they would put it in the best dish. 
Am I talking to the wrong people? If I were in the South, I know I'd be talking to the people who understand what I'm talking about. You Northerners up here, you, you guys don't know how to live. Uh, but there was a time in the South where preachers were respected. And because of just what's happening in our world, we have just lost some of those foundational values and courtesies. And I need for parents to understand, if you don't reinforce those things in your children, they're going to be lost from them. Because the world is not teaching them those things. The world is teaching your child to be selfish and self-centered. And you don't know that right now. You'll find out in a few years. Therefore, we need role models. We need flesh and blood examples that we as adults can see. We can also point our children to see men and women who are faithful to God, even in the midst of trials and tribulations. We need people to persevere. And too many times we talk about how weak we are and what we can't do. When the reality is, you're not weak. If you're a Christian, you got God's Holy Spirit dwelling in you. You may be lazy, but you're not weak. Now, you will become lazy when you don't exercise. And some of you are you're, you're exercise enthusiasts. You exercise every day, physically. But what about exercising every day spiritually? That means putting into practice. Uh, that means even lifting up this heavy Bible. You know, you know and you, you, some of you guys can lift 100 or 200 pounds. Uh, Brother Dave, how many pounds can you lift? Can't tell you. Nope, not sure. I know it's, it's just that high, you can't tell us. But our Bibles, many of them weigh less than a couple of pounds. How, often, how, many, how, much, how many times during the day, during the week, do we lift them up? So we need role models. And even though you guys get mad at me and all that kind of stuff, you need preachers who would stand up and tell you the truth. Amen. Because we are becoming far and few and in between. Uh, you got preachers who care more about making people feel comfortable and numbers and the offering coming in versus telling folk what God said. I recognize I am under authority to God, not to you all. And I'm more concerned about what God's going to say about me than you all are. Therefore, therefore, I'm not scared of any of you. Uh, I'm not scared of the brothers having a meeting and say, we need, to get, we need to get another preacher and all that other kind of stuff. No, I'm going to stick with the book. And folk who love the book will be supportive. Folk who don't love the book, well, they lost anyways. Now, having said that, we have an example in the Old Testament from a man named Noah. And I know many of your children and grandchildren, they know the story of Noah, they know it well. Uh, and, they, it, it, and, and they go over it. Uh, but I think as we get older, we sometimes lose the ability to go back and look at some of those stories and situations in the Bible, in the Old Testament in particular, and, and pull truths from it that can help us be strong New Testament Christians. And so this morning, I just simply want to look at Noah and remind us that he is our example, or he is an example of perseverance. He's an example of stick to itness, And we need that. We need to see people who persevere in spite of obstacles, in spite of being ridiculed and name-called, in spite of the fact you don't have a whole lot of support from people that, that live around you that maybe you can work with and whatnot. You can still be faithful to God. As a matter of fact, God expects you to be. So 
Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 7, we'll start there. Uh, the Hebrew writer just sort of gives us an overall summary of, of the situation with Moses. Now, I think it's good to look at the summary first and then go back and look at the details in Genesis chapter 6. So the Bible says in Hebrews eleven seven, by faith, Noah being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. Now, the first couple words, by faith. Noah was able to do what he did because he trusted God. Not only did he trust God, he obeyed God. Because many people would say, I trust him. But you don't see any obedience in their life. If you're really going to trust God, if you're going to have faith in him, you got to obey him. And it's not, uh, I'm trying or, or I'm learning. If you've been a member of the church 15, 20 years, you know all you need to know in order to be faithful. The question becomes, why am I not doing it? Because I don't trust God. I, I, I don't believe what the Bible says. Because if you believe it, you recognize you're out of fellowship. You're out of harmony with God when you don't obey him. So at the very outset, the Hebrew writer says, by faith, based on the trust that Noah had, he moved and he did what God called him to do. So if you don't obey God, you don't trust him. Because we move out on obedience. We trust that whatever the outcome of the situation we're in, God's already going to handle it. So by faith, Noah was able to do this. The text says, being divinely warned of things not yet seen. Noah has some information that nobody else had. He had information that nobody else had because he had a close relationship with God. When you have a close relationship with God, there are things you know that other folk don't know. There are things that get revealed to us through the reading and studying of Scripture that does not happen to the person who doesn't read or study Scripture. That's why you can be talking to people your age, uh, as, as, just as educated as you are in secular things, and you start looking at Scripture, and they don't know what you're talking about. They don't read. They don't study. And, and so they miss what God has said. Now, they can quote all the philosophers in our age. They can tell you what all the newscasters and programmers on TV are saying, but they cannot tell you nor understand what God has said in Scripture. Something's wrong with that picture. So God was able to communicate his plans directly to Noah. In case you don't know, God wants to communicate directly with you. Every time you open up this and you have an open mind, you have a submissive heart, God will communicate with you. You, you can't go to that with a closed mind. I already know what it means and all that. You got to go with an open heart and open mind and let God's message penetrate you. Now, sometimes when you do that, it convicts you. Sometimes it shames you. Sometimes it, it causes you to see you are not as spiritual as you think you are. Because you begin to see God's standards versus how we've ordered our lives. 
But God was able to communicate with Noah, and he told him about the coming destruction on the earth. And the text says that Noah was moved with fear, with reverence. The closer you get to God, the more you read about him, the more you can't help but respect him. And you want to honor him, which ultimately leads us to worshiping him. Because you see how good and how great he is and how sinful and evil we are. Even on your best day, with your best suit on, you still are filthy rags. Even when you graduate from college and you get whatever degree you got, you're just an educated piece of dirt. Even when you get that big job title, name on uh, the office door. Some of you got your names on the office door. Some of you just got uh, offices where they're just a, a, a title of the position there. But some of you fortunate enough to have your name on the door. You're in high cotton. But you're still a person whose name on a door, that's dirt. And every now and then, you need to be brought down to earth to recognize that because we'll get inflated with the, the, the success God allows us to have. And we'll think more of ourselves than recognize I have what I have, I am what I am because of God, not because of how good and great I am. And so we live in a culture that no longer respects our God. And if you've been interacting with people, talking to people, even on your, uh, chitting and chatting with your people on your job, at the coffee break and stuff like that, you see people don't respect God. And some of the things they say, uh, some of the lifestyle choices that they are making, and, and they feel bold in proclaiming these things. You know why? Because they live in, this, in the world. They, they don't understand what Scripture says, which is why it ought to bother us who know what Scripture says it ought to bother us to the point we will then periodically help people to understand God's perspective on these issues. And so Noah was moved with reverence and respect for God, and, 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 and God gave him a task. God said, Noah, I want, I want you to build a boat. Now, Noah had never seen a boat. Think about that. God told him to build something he had never seen. Now, the only way for him to go out and do that was he had to trust God. I don't know what a boat is, but God, if you're telling me to build it, I, 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 I trust you. And now, you got to know, he, had not, he, he hadn't seen any rain either. Definitely he hadn't seen the flood. But you see the instructions being given to him because of his close relationship with God. And we'll see from uh, Genesis chapter 6 that Noah was a man who was very different than the culture that was surrounding him. And, and I need for us to start understanding God has called us to be a royal priesthood. He has called us not to be like everybody else in the world. And we, we spend too much try, time trying to fit in with ungodly folk. You were created to stand out. And so you need to be prepared for folk to ask you, why is it you don't act like the rest of us act? Why is it you go to church services every Sunday? And you notice I say every Sunday. Uh, hopefully I'm not lying on you. <laughs> why is it you take time to pray and, and read the scriptures 
Why is it you're so generous when other folk are stingy? Why is it you're always willing to sit and talk to people after work hours if they have problems? You're willing to pray with them. Everybody doesn't do that kind of stuff. And so God gave him directions, and he was uh, ready to follow those directions. Now, I need for you to understand the boat or the ark that um, Noah built was not designed to sail. It was designed to float on the water to keep them from drowning. And so it was carried away by the waves. But it was designed to keep the occupants safe. Now, you need to hearken to what the whole purpose of the church is there, but I'll get to that a little bit later. So we get to, uh, we continue with verse number seven. The text will say that Noah's family, his household, was saved. There's Noah's wife, that's his sons, and his sons' wives. I think that's three plus two, uh, no, three times two is six, plus two more is eight, right? Is my math right? You're an accountant, is, is that right? Okay. I can, do, I can do simple math. So, so in, the, in the whole midst of all this, God is letting Noah know only you and your family are going to be saved. Now, there are more people on the earth than just Noah, his wife, and his sons and their wives. But the record of the story is his house was going to be saved. Noah's adult children listen to him even when other folk didn't listen to him. And Noah's adult children followed him even when the children of other folk wouldn't follow him. And Noah had so conducted things that even the wives of his sons fell in line with God's plan. Now I need to stop here for a moment to help some of you who got adult children to understand if the word of God has been regularly communicated in your house, your adult children will listen to you. If the word of God has been regularly communicated in your house, your adult children will fall in line. Now, I need for you to understand, you can't start this when they're adults. To get to that point, you start this when they were small. And the honesty is, in many of our homes, we just start taking seriously the word of God when our children start getting preteens and teens, when they start acting crazy. Then you want God to come and, and help deal with this heathen in your house. When you should have been dealing with them when they were nice and sweet and everything was cute that they were doing, when they were crawling around on the floor, that's when you should have been asking God to help me and know what to do with this child because as they get older and they start learning things and picking up things from other people, they, they're going to be foreigners to you. Okay, you, you don't get that. Uh, some of you, if you're honest, would say you look at your children and try and figure where, where they came from. <laughs> Come on, parents, get with the program. There was a time, you may not think that now, but when they were preteens and teenagers and they acting all crazy and doing what they want to and talking to you like they don't have no sense, uh, you're trying to figure out where you come from. Well, they just got a taste of the world in them. Now the challenge is what did you do to get the world out of them? Because all children go through that phase. 
But it's, if you have been teaching and, and nurturing in the faith and putting God in front of them, you find a way to corral that. But sadly, some people don't. And, and they don't see where this thing is leading to. And then they end up with an older teenager uh, or, or in that situation, pregnant out of wedlock, on drugs, locked up in jail, criminal record, uh, a whole bunch of things that we can trace back to what didn't happen. Now, we don't have to learn how to start being honest with ourselves about how we got in some of the predicaments we got in. Because if you aren't, then you never get to the point where you can help your grandchildren, if God bless you with any. Or where you can never get to the point where you can reach your adult children who you have to acknowledge, I did not set the right example for them. And they have turned out to be just what I put into them. And if you don't like it, all you need to do is look in the mirror and you'll see where they got their behavior from. The text goes on to say that Noah condemned the world. Noah condemned the world based on his lifestyle, based on his commitment to following God. So when you and I live a godly life every day, there are folk who don't like God, they don't like uh, structure and order, and, and they get mad at you. You got some haters out there uh, simply because you just do what's right. Now, as you're doing what's right, that exposes what's wrong. And, and, and folk don't like to be exposed. And so they'll talk about you. They'll stab you in the back. Uh, they will try and sabotage uh, your situation. But you and I have to stay strong and persevere and recognize that's just the cost or burden of following Jesus. Your life is not on cruise control just because you're a Christian. You're going to have to deal with some things that happen. They're not designed to hurt you. The situations in life are designed to sharpen us, to make us stronger, so that we can then set an example for others who are coming behind us. So Noah condemned the world based on his lifestyle, based on his behavior, not acting like those who are ungodly. And the text says he was an heir of righteousness. When you are an heir, that means you're going to get some inheritance. You're going to get something. Noah receives blessings because of his faithfulness to God. One of the greatest blessings uh, is he lives and his family lives. And he's able to be a vessel that's used by God. And you and I need to see that as a blessing, being a vessel, being a tool that God can use in his ministry. It's, it's not a burden. So you and I need to find time uh, to, to give back to God as a way of saying, thank you for sparing my life. Thank you for giving me what I have. And some of you have been blessed beyond your wildest imagination. Growing up where you came from, you never thought you'd be living this quality of life. Now, you need to give God credit for that. And you need to help your children understand we're where we are because of God. Don't get the big head because our children who've never known hardship, all they've known is the easy life that you provided for. You need to every now and then remind them. Now, when I grew up, I didn't have a bedroom all to myself. When I grew up, I didn't have air conditioning in my house. We opened up the window and hope a cool breeze blew by. 
When, when I grew up, I didn't have a closet full of clothes and 20 pairs of shoes to match. I didn't have a ready allowance every week that I just go out and blow money. You need to help them to understand what, what, where you came from to instill some humility in these rascals. I hear somebody echoing me out there. All right, all right. And, and, so, and so God gives us a snapshot of Noah right in, in one verse in the hallmark of faith to begin to help us to understand, one, why Noah is listed among these men and women of faith, but also help us to understand what he did. Now, to get a better insight on it, now we go back to Genesis chapter 6, where we see the world in which uh, Noah lived, and we see the obstacles that he had to deal with, and we see why God selected him. So go with me back to Genesis chapter 6, and I'm not going to reread the verses that were read, but I'm going to just start the reading with the first seven verses of chapter 6 of Genesis. The Bible says, Now it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh. Yet his day, days shall be 120 years. There were giants on the earth in those days and also afterwards, when the sons of God came in to the daughters of men and they bore children to them. Those were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown. When the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually, and the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping things and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. And then the beautiful verse number eight says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. It is important to understand the culture, the world that Noah was living in, to begin to appreciate how difficult uh, it would have been for him to live in that environment and not get caught up in that. Some of us, because we are followers, find it easier to go along with the stuff that's around us than taking a stand and being an individual who just does not go for whatever people say. And so every now and then, parents, you need to check in on your child's world because you are sending them to school, you're letting them hang out with folk, and you know your child because some of us have children that are easy to influence. They want to be accepted by everybody. They have low self-esteem, and they will give away and do whatever it takes to find some friends. And you're trying to figure out why they're in the trouble they're in. Well, they want to be like their friends. They didn't want to stand out from their friends. So check in every now and then. The text says in verse number 8 that, but Noah found grace. Noah found favor. God is looking at all these people that are on the earth. And there's something about Noah that's different than the other people. 
I need to ask a question today. Is there something about you that's different than all the other folk in Massachusetts? Is there anything that God can survey all the folk in Massachusetts and call your name and say, you have found favor or you have found grace in my eyesight? Now, you're not going to get that distinction if you just like everybody else. You're not going to get that distinction just because you happen to show up at 11 o'clock worship today. It's a lifestyle. It's a daily behavior that God is looking for that says there's something different about this person. And I'm thankful to God that we have the example of Noah. Now, as I said at the 8 o'clock, we're not looking at Noah a few chapters later. You know, because Noah does some stuff that he shouldn't do later on. But right now, and I need for you to begin to understand all of us have or will have chapters in our lives that you wish you could erase. You can't erase them. Make sure you do the best you can to serve God while you have the opportunity to serve God. Now, in order to help us with verse number eight and verse number nine, the, God gives us the reasons as to why Noah found grace in his eyesight. Verse number nine, the Bible says Noah was a just man. He was a perfect man, and he walked with God. He was a just man. He was a man full of faith. See, the more you read and study the scriptures, the more your faith ought to grow. Now, the opposite of that is true. The less you read and study scripture, the weaker your faith is going to be. And so some of you keep talking about how weak you are, how you need help in this area. You're not doing what you need to do to grow your faith. Coming to a worship service is good, but your faith is going to be grown when you leave here, when you put into practice what you're learning here. Versus you coming, you hear this, and then when you need to put into practice, you don't. He's a just man. He was full of faith. He was a perfect man. He was not sinless. And neither are any of us. But he was sincere. He had integrity. And one of the things that we lose sometimes the longer we are a member of the church is we lose integrity. We forget you still are a sinner. You just come to church service every Sunday. And you forget you sometimes give folk the finger on the freeway. You sometimes hollering in your car at folk in another car that makes you look like an idiot because they can't even hear you. You're the one hollering at the TV screen when you're watching your game and telling folk what they ought to do as if they can hear you. So he's a sincere. He was somebody who when God spoke, he responded. That's what we need more of, is people who respond when God calls your name. So when, when, the, when you listen to a sermon and it convicts you, instead of sitting there acting like you're not feeling anything, you get up and make your confession. You make your prayer request. Instead of letting the word impact you and you just sit there. Because when you do that, you will eventually lose the ability to even be impacted by anything that's said. The text says he was a just man, he was a perfect man, and he walked with God. His life lined up with what he knew about God. 
Our lives need to line up with what we know about God. Too many of you are focused on, I need to know more and more and more. You're not doing anything with what you know. And what you know is going to convict you. You want to be walking encyclopedias, but you don't even know how to apply what you do know, what you have been exposed to. More knowledge puts more responsibility on you. And the responsibility is not to tell other folk what you have heard. It is now you got to live this. And that's what we don't focus on. We focus on wanting to accumulate information so I can tell you what this says. Or I can say this or whatever. No, start living it and then I'll see for myself that you know it. We're not blind. And, and, and let me just say, a lot of you... Uh, you, you want to email, and you want to text, and you want to Facebook all of us on everything you read and see. You act like the rest of us don't read and see stuff that's motivational. Stop clogging up folk emails and text messages with junk. I'm a preacher. I read and study all the time. I don't need more, more, more motivational stuff. You want to teach, then get involved in our education program. We need teachers. So share all that information with some students who don't know anything. But because the media, it's so easy to just send this here and send this here, and you're not evaluating, are you guilty of what you're sending to me? Are you even applying what you're sending to that person? It was a nice saying, and I just want to share it with everybody. Let it impact your life first. Then you can share. Can you get an amen on that one, huh? So, so, so I was bold enough to say it, but you got folks sitting right here who said, stop sending me all these emails and text messages and Facebook posts. You, you, they just won't say it to you. They just delete them. And you calling yourself, now nah, you got a ministry. You don't have a ministry. You just, you're a nuisance. I'm just telling you the truth, trying to help some of you, because that, that energy you send and spending all this stuff around, you need to be studying that and applying it in your own life. But, but when we see Noah, we see the kind of person he was, and so you can begin to see why this person would catch God's attention. And so we need to start being the person that we see in Scripture so that we can be useful to God. So in verses 11 through 12, we get the assessment of God on the world at that time. And God says, this world is corrupt. I read earlier, God said, I regretted that I made man. It's corrupt, it's violent, and mankind is just evil. Every thought he has is just evil. And so people had gotten far away from where God created them to be. A need for all of us to understand is the more you move away from where God wants you to be, the more corrupt and the more evil you'll be. Now, you won't see yourself as corrupt. You won't see yourself as evil. We're talking about God's assessment. And as far as God is concerned, when folk walk away from him, turn their back on him, and, and destroy his creation, you corrupt, you're evil. 
and something bad's going to happen. So in verses 13 through 16, God talks to Noah. God has this conversation with Noah. God reveals to Noah what he's going to do. And every time you and I open up the book, God is revealing something to us. You and I need to start listening. Because the information God reveals to us is a matter of spiritual life and death. We all going to die physically. But God's giving us some spiritual medicine. And we need to start listening and taking the dosage that he gives us. So again, uh, God reminds Noah, I'm going to destroy the earth. I want you to build an ark. He gives Noah instructions. I appreciate the fact God just didn't say, Noah, go out and build an ark. But he gave him specific, specific instructions on how to build it, how to put it together, where the door was going to be, where the window was going to be, uh, how many uh, uh, levels. I think it's th three levels. God was very specific in his instructions. Guess what? God is also specific when he talks to us. We just won't listen. We'll try and build a house, a lifestyle, contrary to what God said. Because I saw somebody else build their life like this. Or we'll want to do this uh, because I saw somebody else do that. Uh, people violating God's law all the time. But you're on the outside looking in. Oh, it looks nice. Until you do it and you begin to see everything that looks good is not good. We need to learn how to follow God's instructions. Let's be honest. If some of us 20, 30 years had done what God told us to do back then, you'd be in a much better place mentally and spiritually today. Okay, some of you, if you had done what God told you when you were dating, you probably would have married better than you did. You don't have to say amen. You're sitting next to your spouse. I don't want you to go home in trouble. Say, say, say amen internally. Say amen internally. Just say amen internally. God knows your heart. If, if you follow the directions, you'd be in a much better place. Some of you need to recognize, when, even when it comes to salvation, God has specific directions. Baptism is essential to salvation. I don't care who you read, who you listen to on TV that says you don't have to be baptized. And, and biblical baptism is immersion in water. It's going down. It's not pouring. It's not sprinkling. Biblical instructions on salvation, you don't touch the TV or touch whatever and pray the sinner's prayer and you saved. No, you've got to hear the gospel message. That's what the scriptures remind us of. And you've got to have a response called belief and trust there. And that belief and trust will allow you to repent, which means to change or go in a different direction. And it will cause you to confess that Jesus is Lord and get baptized. You are not a Christian just because you say, I believe in God. You are a Christian when that belief causes you to do what he told you to do. And I'll go a step further based on Acts chapter 2. You don't have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you if you are not a Christian. If you have not been baptized into Christ, you may feel it. You may think it. Somebody may have told you that, but they didn't tell you the truth. That's why it's so important to listen to the instructions that God gives. And God gives his instructions through the word. Verses 17 through 20. Uh, God uh, lets us know that destruction is coming. God says, I will cause a flood 
to come on earth. Something that has never happened before. God says, I'm going to do this. And God says, all living things, people, animals, birds, worms, fish, whatever you want to call it, anything will die. Because of how sinful mankind has become. But in the midst of all this death and destruction, God says, Noah, you and your family are going to be safe. But there are a whole lot of families where everybody's going to die. All the animals are going to die. God said, but I'm, but I'm going to establish a covenant, a relationship with you, Noah. But everybody else is going to die. And I thought it was interesting. He says to Noah, as it relates to the animals, bring two of every animal into the ark. And get this, two of every animal, male and female. Because we're going to have to reproduce after all these folk are killed. And so not only people are going to have to be reproduced, animals are going to have to be reproduced. Now notice, bring of every animal a male and a female. Because you've got to reproduce. He didn't say bring two, two males or two female animals. You can't reproduce that way. Now, for those of you who uh, ascribe to this uh, mentality, you can, you can love whoever you want to. You can marry whoever you want to. I, I need for you to understand, God said bring a male and a female because we've got to reproduce. Two men cannot reproduce. Two women cannot reproduce. And, and we live in a world where we change all kind of laws so gay folk can adopt children. But that's not God's plan. That's the world's plan. And so just like the human population was going to have to be replaced after the flood, because the only Noah and his family, the animal population, was going to have to be replaced. And that's why Two of every animal, male and female, was brought into the ark. Now, I, I was laughing when I read that latter part. I'm not an animal lover. You guys know that. <clears throat> but, 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 but in the ark, them, them folk were in the ark for well over a year. If you weren't an animal lover at the start, you would have been by the time uh, the water subsided because you've been living with animals. Brian, you talk about getting up early in the morning to walk the dog. And I take that means you walk him outside the house. <laughs> On the ark, you're not walking outside. So you walk in the animals, if, if, if they got walked in the ark, and they dropping what they drop, where they dropping. Imagine a smell. But this is all in God's plan because we've got to reproduce after this. Those of you who like to sleep and, and you don't like noise, but what about the birds chirping and the grasshoppers making all that noise? I guess you have to learn how to sleep with noise going on. If you want to be saved, now if you want to get, escape that, just get out of the ark and drown. But the reality is, the people who had the faith to go into the ark understood 
God's plan. They were ready for when the time come and when the time came. So in verse number 21, he says, make provisions for you and the animals. That means gathering food enough for everybody and everything uh, for this journey. Food for the animals, food for the humans. Because right. you're going to be locked up for a while. Wow. You had to trust God. And we have to trust God even today. Trust him when it doesn't make sense. Trust him when you don't understand. Trust him because he is God. And by the way, he made you. So when we get to verse number 22, Noah obeys God. Now, you and I need to understand, Noah did not fully understand all that God said. God didn't say to him, you had to understand it. The expectation is you're going to do it. You're going to obey it. We sometimes get confused. I don't understand it. And until I understand it, I'm not going to do anything about that. You can die in that mentality. I don't understand how our sins are washed away in baptism. But I trust that that's what happens because that's what the word says. So I'm thankful that even though he didn't fully understand all that God said, he still obeyed. He had never seen a boat, but God gives him directions to build one. Now, some of us, brothers, let's be honest. When you get these instructions with these things that you buy, and they give you a picture of it, and they will tell you the number of pieces that are in there, some of us still can't put it together. And you'll have pieces left over. And you think those pieces don't matter until you try to use this thing and it falls apart. He had never seen a boat, but God gave him specific instructions on how to build that thing, and he built it. And it took a long time. So he had patience and perseverance. And as he's out there building something that he's never seen, the people who are watching him had never seen, they think he's crazy. What are you talking about? It's going to rain. What are you talking about? A flood is going to happen. What is rain? What's a flood? Well, I don't know what it is. God just told me. He said, really? You believe that? Because, you know, some, when you're talking to people about the Bible, say, you believe that? You need to say, yes, I believe it. You don't have to have all the answers when you trust God. Because we know God has all the answers. So people are ridiculing him. And so this is where we have to learn. You don't quit. You don't give up. Because folk are ridiculing you, making fun of you, talking about you. you, you gotta, you're on a mission for God. you got to do that. And God has always vindicated his people. You will not be ashamed if you follow God. But you will be ashamed, and some of you have been made to be, when you follow your own intuition. When you just did what you want. How many of you bought some stuff on impulse? And when you got it home, you're sitting there trying to figure out, now why did I buy that? It's still in the wrapper after five years. Uh, you haven't done anything with it. Okay, some of you, all these little uh, gadgets, late at night on TV that they advertise, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you have bought some? You got a closet with all that stuff in it. Mm -hmm. 
So a long time passes, and there is no rain. But Noah keeps on building. Noah keeps on living right. He keeps on uh, dealing with people who ask him questions to remind them this is what God said. This is what's going to happen. And people were ridiculing and making fun of him until the day it started to rain. And once that stuff started falling from the sky that they had never seen before, and they start seeing it just it just kept on coming so that now you couldn't see your feet now you can't see your ankles and, and now depending on how tall you are you may be under the water by now and now you got people who are wishing they could get an ark once god sealed the door it's done I would say, don't miss the ark. Don't miss the ark. Let me give you four quick thoughts and then we'll be finished uh, for today. First thought is, God examines each of us. Now, at Genesis chapter 6, God looked at the whole world. And out of the whole world, God finds Noah. You need to recognize God is examining each of us. So even as you sit here in worship service today, God knows your heart. God knows your intentions. God knows what you're going to do as soon as we leave here. So recognize he examines us. So as he is examining us, he knows who's trusting him versus those who aren't trusting him. He knows those of us, you know, when you have a hole in your pocket, Everything you put in it just comes out. He knows those of us who have a hole in our head that everything that, that's going in there is coming out. It's not staying. It's not sticking. He knows those of us who don't have any intentions of doing anything with what he says. He knows those of you who say, Myra, why don't you just end this sermon so we can go home? And so God is examining you right now. He knows those of you that are nodding, just like I know, because I'm looking at the faces. Some of you should have gone to bed early last night. Secondly, the love of God should be first in our lives. And we see that thought over and over. Love for God needs to come first before your family, before your job, before even you. See, if love for God comes first, then you'll order everything else and everybody else around that. It's hard to, to, to have the kind of priority God wants to have when you're putting people and things ahead of him. Because you can never get that thing right once you get God uh, out of the place he should be. And God won't be second or third. See, your basis, husbands, for being a good husband and a good father is because of what God says is the standard. Your basis for being a good mother or a good wife is what God says. Not on what you see other people doing. Let's be real. You see other people doing a whole lot of stuff that does not qualify them to be a good husband, a good father, a good mother, a good wife. But they're still doing it. That's because they're not listening to God. And they've gotten caught up in this world system. Recognize, third thought, God reveals things to the faithful. 
Now, God is not going to come and shake you and wake you up at night like some people claim, but he will reveal information to us through the scriptures, through reading it and studying it. So don't come up here and say, well, God woke me up last night and, and, and told me uh, we got some psychiatric nurses up in here that I, I would then refer you to them. Now, if you come up to me and say, when I was reading and studying this, this idea came in my head. Now, now you and I can talk. But if you come up and say, somebody told you something, I'm going to refer you to the professionals <laughs> in that area. But God reveals things to us. You guys know you have been reading and studying scripture, and the aha moment comes. The light goes off. And something that's been bothering you and you've been struggling with, you now have an understanding of what it is God wants you to do based on clearly understanding the scriptures. And we need to be thankful for that. Uh, but you would have never gotten to that point if you weren't connected to, if you didn't have communion and fellowship with God. And then I want to end by just simply saying, parents, you can have spiritual impact with your own children. And I know there are times where I've talked to parents and say, oh, well, they listen to you more than they'll listen to me, or they'll listen to this person. And I always try to ask, why do you think that's the case? Why do you think they listen to somebody who's not a family member over you? You're their parent. You raised them. You're the person that puts food in their mouth. You're the one that buys them clothes, and the list goes on and on. And I need people to understand, when things like that happen, something has gone wrong down the line. Something, something has gone wrong. Now, we ought to be thankful that we have our children connected in a spiritual family. So if they uh, go and, and, and consult and get input from other people, they're godly people who hopefully will respond to them the way you would. But you ought to be your children's hero. As a matter of fact, if we follow scripture, parents, we are supposed to be our children's first teachers. Too many people have let their children get raised up spiritually at the church building. That's not our job to raise your children at the church building. Our job is to help you raise your children. You ought to be teaching your children the scriptures at home. You ought to be revering within the Bible stories at home so that when they come here to Bible class, the teacher does not have to fight with them to get their attention and that this is not foreign material to them, that they have an idea of the stories and the Bible characters. And so teachers have something to work with instead of for the first 45 minutes just trying to teach your children the story that we should have already taught our children. And some use that as an excuse, well, I don't know the Bible that well. You all know the Bible well, uh, better than a two or three-year-old or four or five-year-old or six or seven-year-old. So recognize you know more than your children. So use that. Share from your experiences. I am thankful to Noah for being a good role model as he listened to God at this critical period in our history. I am thankful that he lived in such a way that God saw something different about him. And I'm thankful that he was a man who was full of faith, who when God gave him directions, he followed them. 
I am thankful that uh, his children followed him also. I'm thankful his wife followed him. Brothers, his wife followed him. Oh, come on, some of you, you follow your wife. But that's a sermon for another day. But the information needs to be said because that's God's order. We need to persevere. We can't quit. There's no quitting until you die. Now, our level of involvement, our service, yeah, it's going to change as we get older because we're not going to be able to do what we have been doing in the past. But we can have a servant's heart. And we can pass on our wisdom and our experiences to younger people who are open and willing to hear that. You know, there, there comes a point where you're not going to be able to do what you used to do, but you can be a counselor. You can share from your wisdom. Because we have a whole lot of young people uh, that don't have anybody in their lives to share wisdom with them. To help them to see what life is going to be like down the road if they follow certain patterns. You've been there. You ought to be able to say something to them. And hopefully if we have lived right in front of them, they'll listen to us. What's our invitation song today? Standing in the need of prayer. Now, I don't know about you. I need prayer. Everybody that I know needs prayer. Do you need prayer? One of the things that empowers us is the ability to talk to God. Now, one of the things I want to challenge us to do, let's listen to God more than we talk to God. Let's hear what it is he wants us to know and do before we start offering up our laundry list of stuff we want. Because a lot of times we, we want stuff we're not ready spiritually to handle. But we see somebody else with it, and so if they got it, I would have. That's, that's trying to keep up with the Joneses, I think is how you all categorize that. You, you don't know what the Jones are doing over there to get what they got. So be careful of being envious and jealous of other people. This morning, if you have a statement, you have a prayer request, you have a confession that you need to make, we will shortly give you the opportunity to do that. If you're in the uh, auditorium and you have a prayer request that you've already written out on the cards, uh, uh, at the appropriate time, raise your hand and a brother will come and uh, get those cards. Uh, For those who are streaming, if you have a prayer request, we are asking that you send that into the media ministry so that they can capture that and we can also assist you in that area. Let's all stand. It's